0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts.
1: Welcome
2: to another episode of Rico Bronia. No, this is not Evan Roberts. It is Pete Hoffman filling in as Evan is too busy scoring the Yankees Reds game, I believe, with a nice pen given to him by Chris McMonichael and Tommy Lugauer. From what I understand, I'm not really sure. I'm just making that one up. Um, We are recapping the Atlanta Braves series versus the New York Mets where they, you know, we walked away on Monday. We did a recap, emergency recap, instant reaction as Mets take game one of the series. And at the end of the podcast, we're like, you know what, if the Mets get lose the next two games so be it but we still have the lead for the division going finishing up the series and that's good that's what we're looking for well we got better you know we don't want to stay you know we don't want to be happy with the worst things in the world we want to keep on growing and building and well game three of this series the Mets were on fire the bats woke up they were Hitting the quote unquote snot out of the ball, as I saw Anthony DeComo tweet when Ed, uh, Eduardo Escobar crushed his solo home run. But the Mets, the Mets, Bats woke up at least first for one day, they woke up and it was nice to see. Uh, Lindor with a home run, um, Kana with a home run as well. So, coming from everybody, everyone getting a piece of it, and Chris Bassett shuts down the Braves. So, the Mets take the series two out of three. And now have again a two and a half game lead going into their next series with the Chicago Cubs, and then a nice little All Star break for some of us, not everybody. A few Mets are in the game, home run derby, etc. But uh, we'll break down just some of what happened today. We broke down what happened Monday and like the disappointment on Tuesday, and we'll dive into a you know few few things here and there. But first of all, I really just want to say that Chris Bassett has. Been everything and more for me as a Met fan. He really has done a great job. Outside of the three West Coast teams that he's having a trouble with, which are the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Giants, and I joked about this on, on podcast prior. The biggest issue with Chris Bassett is the West Coast teams, Diamondbacks not included. For some reason he could he has no problem with them, but. The Dodgers and the Giants and the Padres. I was joking, but there's something to it. Because right now he lowered his ERA to 3.79. I did the math. Because when I'm doing these podcasts with Evan, I feel like I have to fill in and be somewhat of uh, in geek mode. So I did the, the math on what his ERA would be if you take out the four bad starts... With two by the Giants. One by the Dodgers. And one with the Padres. His ERA. Right now it's 3.79. His ERA. Those four starts taken out. 2.19. He's been freaking dominant. I know it's unfair because you know if he. Being blown out. Definitely ups his ERA. But even if he had solid starts it'd be a little bit higher. But. But. He really has excelled, and that's why I said this a long time ago. I I trust Chris Bassett. I trust Max Scherzer. If Jacob Degrom wasn't around, and he doesn't come back at all this season, which we'll get to. Hopefully, he does. You know, he's had a rehab start tomorrow uh, in 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 Syracuse. But if it was a one-two punch of Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett, I mean, that's pretty good. He's been pretty, I don't want to say elite, because he's not, he still doesn't have his best. He may strike out to some of these other guys. He walks a few here and there. But Bassett's basically done everything you want and more. Take away those four bad starts. And listen, even even in those starts was a bad start against St. Louis that he had. But overall, he's been fantastic if it's not those three teams that I keep on mentioning though from the West Coast. So you have to tip your cap to Chris Bassett. You know, going up against an Atlanta Brave team, Which, you know, the day before, always finds a way to hit a nice home run, clutch home run. Even versus Scherzer, you know, Raleigh gets a home run. It just always feels like, ugh, it can never be easy versus the Braves. They always have to find a way to really, like, you know, give us a nudge before, even if we can win a game. Uh Uh-uh, not today. Today was a bit easier. Took a while to get to Charlie Morton, but once we did, the floodgates opened up. And Bassett shut down basically everybody. He gave that one solo shot to I'm trying to remember who it was to. Uh it wasn't Swanson, because the fantasy wise, I would have remembered that one. Uh, but besides the one solo shot, we had he had a nice day. And that's all you could ask for from Chris Bassett. We're not asking to get, you know, six shutout six six innings of one run, six strikeouts, two walks, five hits. It's fantastic. And the Mets go on and win 7-3. And bullpen, you know, is the bullpen. You can only say so much. And I'm glad that Sandy Olison addressed it too. He had a podcast with John Heyman and, and Joel Sherman. And on there, he basically said the DH has been a dead spot for us and the bullpen has been atrocious and they can't sustain that. That that's You can't go into the playoffs like, looking like that. So I'm glad he said it. Now, what is he, what's he going to do about it? And this is what we always go back to over and over and over. And this is not a, uh-oh, emergency. We have an emergency here. This is a constant reminder that the Mets, whether it's change of ownership or whatever, they always wait as long as they possibly can. And this is baseball today. And this is why there was a a lockout. Because the younger ball players are sick and tired and the current ball players are sick and tired of dealing with these arbitrations and you know if we keep them down a little longer, we have more control over them. I understand financially they don't want to pay everybody just yet, and that's another thing that we'll get into because the Mets are gonna to have to start paying somebody a bunch of people next year. There's gonna be a lot of decisions to be made. But the but the point is, if you're in a win now mode and you have players that can help you win now. Or if you're scuffling and you'd like to see that, see if they can help you with now, bring them up. Give them a shot. I know that I've constantly said Francisco Alvarez because, I don't know, talk about a weak catching position where he's now caught Scherzer at least once in a game. I don't know if he's going to schedule to catch DeGrom. But if he's had some experience with some of these pitchers, it's not that bad of a thing to get some major league experience, and then just kind of hit the ball like we constantly say over and over and over. Everyone constantly says, just give him some at-bats. Let's see what he could do. But if it's Francisco Alvarez, if it's Vientos, whoever it is, bring him up because they're going to do better than a J.D. Davis or a Dom Smith. And I understand, you know, they've both had moments recently, Dom Smith and J.D. Davis have both had games where you go, Oh, maybe they, maybe this is the time. Maybe they're going to shine. Maybe they're going to come out of it. Coming out of that funk. And then there's other people that are having flashbacks they see Travis Darno with the Braves going, we shouldn't let him walk. You know, this is it's the same thing. We always let them walk too soon and they turn into studs. I, I, I'm kind of over that. I, I can, like, I can make a clean cut. Travis Darno gone. We got rid of him. We needed him out of here. We've worked on that Way too long. It was never going to work with Travis Darno and the Mets. Same thing with Michael Conforto. I have no problem letting him go. He struggled enough here. Let him go struggle somewhere else. If he succeeds, good for them. I could almost say the same thing about Zach Wheeler. It was a little bit touchier with that because it wasn't like Zach Wheeler had this record-breaking deal when he left to go to Philadelphia. It wasn't like it was some earth-shattering, like, $200 million contract for six years. It was kind of like a measly five for 120 almost. And it was just like the Mets couldn't match that. And again, this is before Steve Cohen. So yeah, the Mets could not match it because the Wilpons suck ass, but that's besides the point. We already know that. We'll talk about the new stuff. So I'm not afraid to cut ties. I know, you know, first of all, I'm lucky because unlike some of you other people that listen to, to this right now, you might have kids that are like, oh, J. D. Davis is my favorite player. Brandon Nimmo is my favorite hit player. My kids hate the Mets. So I'm lucky. I, I have the luxury of saying, yeah, get rid of these guys. My kid doesn't care. He, he wants Aaron Judge to come to the Mets. Or, no, let me take that back. He wants to follow Aaron Judge around. If he comes to the Mets, he'll be a Mets fan. So I, I don't have to worry about that. What I do have to worry about is though is the bullpen and the DH position. And you have pieces in AAA that could come up here and at least give you a taste. You know, the All-Star break is only a few days away. You have a series against the Cubs coming up. You have a stretch of Padres and Yankees after that. And, And it's like before you know it, the trade deadline's gonna come around, and you basically didn't test out a thing. You didn't find out anything that you had of the miners. You didn't call up one guy from the miners that were like, "Let's give him a week. Let's give him a few days. Let, let's just give him a couple of moments. Give him a taste, a cup of coffee, see what it's like." There was there was zero reason not to do that because. The deficiencies in this lineup, at the tail end of this lineup, have been overexposed for a good month now, for a good freaking month. So to sit here and talk about the trade deadline, say yeah, we need to fix at the trade deadline, you could do it internally, or at least test the waters. And that's all we keep on saying. It's it's redundant, but it's 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 the truth. It's as fully transparent as possible. And I don't understand how Sandy Alderson can go on a podcast and say that they have these issues and then not even think of, like, I know they said that they're not ready to call Francisco Alvarez, but then call Fientos. Like, you have bats in AAA that can come up and potentially add more than what. JD Davis and Dom Smith are doing. Again, combine three home runs from those two knuckleheads. I love them to death, but don't need to see them bat up anymore. It's over. And then the bullpen, he addressed it too. It's just it's not ideal. They need to bring in more arms. I'm happy he mentioned it and addressed it, but now let's see what he does. And and what are the trade pieces going to be? You know, I really do I can't expect that JD Davis and Dom Smith are going to be around Come tread deadline, I think they're, they're going to have to go. There's no way that they're going to be on this team. And I can't imagine that, uh, you know, that we're going to have the same bullpen that we're going to have. I, I I wouldn't be surprised as long as it's not a rental. If it's a rental, then I'm going to be very surprised. As long as it's not a rental, I would not be surprised if we hold on to most of our top prospects. Uh, Sorry, excuse me. I wouldn't be surprised if we lost a prospect. But if it's a rental, then we should be fine. I think that we won't be, be trade-away prospects. But if there is a player that we could add additionally for, even around for two, three years, like, first of all, Carlos Rodon. I'm not saying the Mets are going to go out for them for him, but the one thing that we've always heard about over and over and over is how the Mets need a lefty pitcher, lefty starter pitcher. Now, Peterson's been doing a fine job. He's not breaking the bank. He's not killing the, uh, every game he goes into, it's not torturous. I feel like he does a better job than Steven Matz when he was around the rotation, but they always want this lefty arm, and it never tends to be what they want, and the idea of a lefty arm in the starting rotation is always better than what they actually perform with. Well, Carlos Rodon is out there right now having a hell of a season. The Giants are basically, almost, they, they've, they've totally tanked. They're starting to fall apart again. This, this, this team that beat the crap out of us a couple times, again, with, with Chris Bassett on the mound, but have been tanking, basically. They're looking awful. They're definitely not winning the division with the with the, the Giants and the Padres fighting for it. So if they continue to, to nosedive, Rodon, I think he's got an option next year, a very easy option, like $20 million. But that's someone that I could realistically think about bringing in if, if you could make a trade for him. Now, I don't know how much it's going to cost, I'm sure that with the option, and if he decides, I think that the Mets are going to have to figure that out beforehand too. If it's going to keep his option, if they're both going to opt in, I think it's a mutual option if I'm correct. Club option or or player option. One of the other. Mutual option or, or player option. But regardless, if it's a player option, they better hell know whether or not he's going to stay and opt in or not. Probably not. So then if that's the case, then I would not give a blue chip prospect. However, if he's like, you know, we could work an extension out, then hell yeah. I would totally do that because Rodon added with Bassett, which you're gonna have to talk. About. And again, this there's, is there's a conversation for a little bit later on. I wanted to get to as far as additions and and free agency and stuff like that for next year. But that's something you have to think about because we're at this point where trade deadline's coming up, and are you adding pieces to just try to win right now this year, or are you bringing in pieces with the idea of maybe we can keep them for this two three year window? You know, when they brought in Marcus Stroman a couple of years ago, I'm like, they're, they're selling, yet somehow they've traded for Marcus Stroman. How did that happen? Well, because they plan not to bring back Zach Wheeler. So they had it in mind. So it's different now because you expect them to spend money. However, how much money are they going to spend? Um, and which is why a guy like Carlos Rodon, again, having a hell of a season in San Francisco – would i'd keep my eye on that but i would not try to give away a blue chip unless they could find some way to confirm some sort of extension prior to him uh coming to new york
0: ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official Every time or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Um, another, get back to the series with the Braves. Because, like I said, to start the, to start the podcast, the fact is that, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact is, that the Mets fans were nervous. They were scared. They were. They thought they were going to lose. I think Boomer and Gio were saying that they might lose the division at the end of the series. So The fact that they're two and a half back, uh, two and a half up again, is amazing. But it's how they did it too. You know, Scherzer on Monday was phenomenal, like we said. It was everything and more you want out of a guy. the f- fiery and whatnot. But then look at today. You know, Bassett goes on the mound, like I said, six six innings of one run, six strikeouts. The hitting came alive, and Francisco Lindor continues to be a mirage. I say a mirage because a lot of people look at Francisco Lindor's stats and go, oh, he sucks. Spending 240, he's getting paid how much money? This guy's terrible. He's not getting on a base a lot. Look at his OPS. This guy's not good. I can't believe you wasted so much money on Francisco Lador. And then I look at the other thing. I go, we're 88 games into the season. He's got 64 RBIs. He had the 16th home run of the season this, this year. He's on pace for 120 RBIs. On pace for 30 home runs. And we're saying this guy sucks? I understand he got paid a ton of money. Take the money out of it. The guy's been phenomenal. His defense is superb. Anybody that sits there and can can knock him on his defense, first of all, is crazy. I see that guy make play after play after play. He's making plays at a deep play, a deep shortstop. He's making some amazing throws. He's got zip on the ball, he's got range. I don't understand what people are complaining about. You know, we always get, on on TKT, we always get Tony from Lodi calls, and it goes, this guy sucks. How? I know he's not hitting 270, 280, but he's producing runs. Isn't that the most important thing? Like, I keep on saying this over and over and over, but at the end of the day, the, the objective of baseball is to score and manufacture more runs than the opposing team. So it takes your pitching staff and your defense to prevent runs. Offensively, you need to put up runs. Well, here's somebody, I don't know what the, what leaderboard is right now, but he's got, if what, Alonzo's now at 70, 71 RBIs. I think it's 70. And Lindor's got 64. So combined, you have two guys with 134 RBIs on the season so far. I think that's pretty freaking amazing. I think that's incredible, actually. For two guys on a team to be carrying a workload like that? I mean, if I look at some of these other teams combined, I, I w- wouldn't be surprised in the starting lineup that they may get to 134. It, it It's impressive. And yet, constantly being killed because last year he had a, a rough year. And I'm never going to knock that. First of all, I will say this over and over and over and over. When the Francisco Lindor trade happened, I went, eh. I was not overly, outrageously ecstatic, like some other people were. Not because I didn't like Francisco Lindor. I did not think he was necessary. When you have an offseason that is filled with, or the 2021 offseason, and now 2022 is going to be just as luxurious of an offseason with multiple top-end shortstops available in free agency. Why are you trading for one? That was my biggest issue with it. It's the same thing with the whole Edward Diaz nonsense. I never was upset that we got Edward Diaz. I was upset with the fact that they made a dumbass move by giving up a blue-chip prospect and taking on $120 million of Robinson Cano. That makes no sense. Do one or the other. Don't do both. Well, Francisco Lador, you brought him in. You traded a couple guys away. Listen, at Rosario and, and Jimenez, they've been fine. Rosario's doing okay. He's, he's hitting the ball a little bit too. I mean, I'm good for Cleveland. They got the better end of it as far as young, youthful players performing well. That's what they're looking for. They also have no budget. But Francisco Lador, I was not ready to give him a contract. I didn't think that was necessary. I said, let's make him earn it. He didn't. They didn't. And they gave him a huge contract. But he's here for 10 freaking years. I'm not ready to say that the guy needs to be, you know, kicked out of town. Give him some time. And again, last year wasn't a great year. Javi Baez made it worse. I thought this was going to crash and burn real quick. But then again, I remember Steve Cohen. Ton of faith in him. 100% total faith in Steve Cohen to write the ship. He doesn't except losing well. And he'd find a way to make this work. First thing first, thank God they brought in Javi Baez. I forgot who it was. I think I think even Evan mentioned it. Thank God they brought him in. Because it was a nice experiment to see how bad Javi Baez was with Francisco Lindor and saved us the hassle of signing him to a long-term deal. Yeah, I understand it cost us a trip, uh, a prospect at uh, Crow Armstrong. That sucked. But at least I prefer dealing with that. I never wanted Javi Baez here to begin with. So now the fact that he's not here, that's good. And McNeil and Lindor healed, you know, the, the healed their wounds, and now they're better, in a better situation, better spot. But again, he should have earned a contract. He should have earned it. He didn't, so be it. Now he's here for ten years, and we're stuck with him. But I can't sit here and say, "Oh, this guy's awful," and and he's not holding up his end of the bargain. He's driven in sixty-four RBIs. Sixty-four RBIs. He's hit 16 home runs. I I don't understand what people are upset about with him. And again, his defense has been phenomenal. Now, listen, is he the leader of this team? I wouldn't think so. I I don't think so. I don't. He's getting paid the most on the team, but he's not the leader of this team. So I don't know if that has to go hand in hand. Compare him to a Carlos Beltran, Okay. Who I recently said should have his number retired in the Mets, you know, Hall of Fame or whatever you want to say, Ring of Honor. That's kind of pushing it, but if you look at Carlos Beltran's stats over seven or eight years with the Mets, he put up amazing numbers. He did a great job, but his personality sucked. He was this very low-key, quiet guy. He wasn't a leader. Lindor, on the other hand, is this over-the-top personality. He's got a lot of flair. He's got a lot of showmanship. But is he the leader? No. He's not the leader. I think last year we saw that, that he could not lead this team. The Mets, as a whole, couldn't be led by Francisco Lindor. So when you pay someone that much money, it's kind of like, oh, you want them to be the leader, but they're not. But Scherzer there is. Pete Alonso, uh, that's still debatable too. It feels like, again, like it feels with his bat, like he puts the team on his back and he can try to win games that way. But is he a leader? Uh, he could be up there. If I had to pick a player, an offensive player, I would say it probably is Pete Alonso. But if, if anything, it's Max Scherzer. It really is. That guy, team feeds to Max Scherzer. So in that sense, yeah, Lindor's a disappointment. He's, he is not the leader that they paid for. But as far as productivity goes, he has been doing a great job. And I can't sit there and complain about anything he's done. Yeah, his batting average is a little bit low. But I always talk about this too. And I, I made the comparison uh, on a show a couple weeks ago. I said, if you compare Carl Stanton to Francisco Lador... Their production numbers. Their offense. People killed me. Oh, well, Lindor's played more games. And look at uh, Giancarlo Stanton's OPS. Yes, there's always stats to back up whatever you want to say. Well, this is what I want to say. I want to say that you compare Lindor and Stanton. Now, I understand Stan's getting paid less now. It's a more conservative contract compared to others. But you look at Stanton. And... His offensive production is kind of like neck and neck with Lindor. And this is a power hitter. This is one of the best power hitters in the game. And Lindor is neck and neck with him. So, and, and I'm not trying to criticize Dan. I'm just making a point that Lindor, I never expected to be a power hitter. I never wanted Lindor to come in here to be this guy hitting 40, 50 home runs. No, you want him to spray the ball around, get some extra base hits, have a little bit of speed. He's got like nine stolen bases. You know, get some triples, which he had one yesterday, versus the Braves on Tuesday, and they're lost. But you want to spray the ball around, so yeah, you're you're looking for a better batting average. But overall, Francisco Lindor has been a hell of uh, of an addition to this year's team, not last year's team, but this year's team, and his defense alone makes us a better squad. Truly does. And on the other hand, too, his personality is not that bad. Again, not a leader, but his personality, he's jovial, he's got that flair, it definitely helps. All right, so that's again, like I said, two out of three of the Braves, fantastic series win, much needed, and now you got the Cubs coming up. You know, you have to wrap this up in a nice, simple bow when it comes to, you know, the last few games before. Before the uh, All-Star break. You got a four-game series. The Cubs are terrible. They're, what, the last 10 games, they've lost three of the last 10. And you just need them to, I don't want them, I need them to take three out of four here. That has to happen. This team is no good. Their pitching is brutal. If you recall when the uh, Cubs came to town versus the Yankees a few weeks ago, I mean, they got hammered. The amount of home runs those pitchers hit, gave up, was ridiculous. It was like a home run derby, which we'll get into in a couple minutes too. So it's this Cubs team is awful pitching. You can keep them in the ballpark. It's basically uh, Wilson Contreras, who was out for a little bit, so he's ret- he's returned now a couple days ago, so he's back healthy to go. Could that be someone that the Mets go for now that McCann's hurt? I really don't want to go that route, but that's someone you have to look at. You know, how does he handle the, the pitching staff? Is that something we, you know? This is a good, a good test, a good idea to see what Wilson Contreras is. You see him up close. See if he's somebody that you really want to add to this this Mets team, and what you'd be willing to give up. Because again, I'm not giving blue trip blue chip prospect for a rental, and it did I'm Not doing that. And if they're not calling Francisco Alvarez, you're gonna sit with Tomas Needle. It's not ideal. You don't want Mazika coming up again, but that's that's the thing is, what other catcher are you going to bring in that's cheap? I, I I'm just I just don't know. I mean. It's Wilson Contreras is is the is the guy right now. Um, besides that, you know you see you may see do we see Strowman at all? That's a possibility. We see might see Marcus Strowman, which would be interesting because have not seen now again this is in Chicago, so to literally just see him by watching him on TV, not actually see him at a City Field, which would be more fun. Let's see. I know he was injured when uh, he was in town with the Cubs. Back at Yankee Stadium, but let's see Strowman. When is he scheduled to start? Ugh. They're terrible. He pitched, oh, July 15th. There we go. So we will see Marcus Strowman. He actually, I mean, pitched four innings versus the Dodgers July 9th. I don't know if that was just because of, 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 yeah, that was his first start back. Uh, He missed about a month, but he has been bad. They've been bad. They've been a very bad team. I'm not saying that they were expected to win anything at all, but they've just been brutal. The Chicago Cubs are 34-53. It's
1: Terrible. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best
2: Uh, and speaking of divisions, by the way, you know one thing we we talk about the fact that the Braves—it's basically a two-headed race in the NL East. We talk about the, the, this this East that like the Phillies are going to be a problem. They're back to earth again too. They're five and five. In the last ten, they actually I think they're less than that now because they lost today. Maybe they're still five and five, but they are just struggling without Bryce Harper. I mean, you talk about a guy that really creates the offense. Bryce Harper has been phenomenal. For the Phillies, and now that they lost him if with a broken thumb, they're just mediocre again. Zach Wheeler had a rough game uh, versus the uh, who they played today. Wasn't it wasn't the Cardinals. They played, but oh, they played the Blue Jays, who just fired the coach. Which, by the way, that was an obvious win. Blue Jays firing their coach first thing you do, get a win. Um, but yeah, Wheeler did not have a great game. He only went four two-thirds innings, and he gave up a bunch of runs. And it was not ideal. So the, the Phillies are going back to struggling again. And it's ba- And listen, the Marlins, we talk about how good they are, how young and scrappy they are. There's still three games on the 500. And the Nationals are just terrible. So you have a division. It's basically a two-team race between the Braves and the Mets. And we're going to see a lot, the, a lot of the Braves. We talked about this just recently, how we saw a ton of the Marlins. And I'm kind of over it now. Well, the Braves are coming up. Evan mentioned the Braves are up next. That's going to happen. So we'll see the Braves again soon. Um, And then again, like I said, the All-Star break's coming up. And you have the Home Run Derby. Which Pete Alonso is looking to go back-to-back-to-back Home Run Derby champion. Now listen, I'm not sure if everyone's into it. I don't really care that much. The only reason I care about it is because Pete Alonso's in it. So it's nice to see. It's not like I need to watch... Pete Alonso win, but it is nice to see at the end of the day that a Met is highlighted. This is why the whole thing with the history of the New York Mets and Steve Cohen and whoever else the idea was to retire Keith Hernandez's number was such a big deal, because I'm sick and tired of not having like this history to go to my kids with. Or you know, we talk about the greatest of all time, and it's always other teams and their their players and their runs and their history. It's like. Oh, what about the Mets? Well, they won in 69, they won in 86. It's a long time ago, guys. It's a long time ago. And, well, you know, what about the greatest players in the Mets? Again, Tom Seaver. We, we, arguably, traded away, we, tra- we arguably traded away the best other player that we've ever had. I'm not sure if that's a proper way of putting it, but, but Nolan Ryan. We traded him away. So those are like the highlights of the, of the Mets. You know, that sucks. I need more. So if you're going to tell me Pete Alonso wins back-to-back-to-back to back to back home run derbies, It's not like I'm sitting there and like popping champagne. But what I am doing is going, boom. That's another thing that we could add to our list of Mets history. Who else could say they want back-to-back-to-back home run derbies? Well, Pete Alonzo. We got to get there first. But who's he facing? Albert Pujols. That's the first person. I mean, if that guy hits, if that guy wins a round, kudos to him. But I, I I love Albert Pujols. But at this age... He doesn't have it anymore. He just, he just doesn't. I know that they're doing the whole, um, you know, extra roster spot for him and Miguel Cabrera. And Miguel Cabrera is one of my favorite players of all time. So I love seeing that guy at any point in time. I know I don't think he's ready to retire just yet. I think he's got another couple of years left to the contract. But still, I'd like to see him ram. But the fact that they're bringing these two guys out, it's like, all right, we get it. You know, see you later. It's nice, nice having you. But they're they're basically a wrap. All right, let's see who else is in the Home Run Derby. That's what I was looking for. I'm putting in Albert Pujols, but Home Run Derby 2022. A lot of NL guys, I've noticed that. I know Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners just opted in as well. Um, well, opted in just, but he just did it a couple hours ago. You also have Okay, here we go. Home Run Derby participants. Thank you. They got seven now, if I'm correct, unless there was a, an additional one that I missed that on. So you got Pete Alonso, Albert Pujols. You got uh, Jose Ramirez. I think he's a today Edition. You got Julio Rodriguez, who is amazing. The, the, he's really a stud. Talk about Jerry Kelnick, you know, being the you know the the big thing that you know that's not working out. Julio Rodriguez, who saw that coming. I, I didn't know about him. We heard about Jerry Kelnick maybe because we gave him away. We thought we gave him away, but Julio Rodriguez has been unbelievable. Um, you got Ronald Acuña Jr., Juan Soto, who's had a rough season for his for his uh, standards, definitely rough. And then you got Kyle Schwarber, who again the Met, the Yankees, and the Mets whiffed on, but I think more the Yankees because they definitely need that type of bat in their lineup. Uh, and that's seven out of the eight. I'm not sure who if who's narrowing down the eight. I mean, clearly it's not going to be Judge. There's rumors of Giancarlo Stanton um the other day that we heard at least I heard. I don't really know if that was true. That was maybe just dove whispering nonsense in my ear, which he does once in a while. So it'll be interesting. I'm I feel very confident that Pete Alonso could definitely find a way to uh go back to back to back. is definitely someone I'm worried about. Breaking down a freaking home run derby here, but if we have to, we have to. Uh Kyle Schwarber is somebody that I would worry about. Soto, maybe this is something that he, you know, Can relax and just have fun with him. Maybe he can rip off a bunch. I'm surprised Vlad's not in it. Is Stanton going to be the guy? The, The worry, the guy that I think gives the most trouble is Schwarber, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rodriguez came through. I would not be surprised if Julio Rodriguez came through and found a way to sneak in each round and... All it needs to do. I don't remember if I'm if it's commu- commutative, cumulative, or whatever it is of of how many home runs in total are, are hit at the end of these things. Because I'm pretty sure it goes round by round by round. Um, and if I remember correctly, the last round, you know, if you've hit 50 home runs the first couple of rounds and that last round you only hit 10, the other guy hits 11, you're screwed. So I feel like River Rodriguez is the guy who, at the end of the day, may not hit the most in the night. But we'll find a way to win that last round. Unless they've changed the rules on me and I just completely forgot. Which is po- quite possible, too. Because I don't watch the Home Run Derby the way that most other people do. I'm not that obsessed with it. I just know that Pete Alonso's won the last two. Um, let's see. What else we got? The trade deadline. We just talked about some other th- Oh, this is the free agency stuff. So, I was talking about... Tiki Barber brought this up, which... yeah. It's a little early to talk about free agency, but it is a question of concern and, and something that's interesting interesting to think about and ponder. You got Jacob DeGrom. Excuse me, I'm sipping my seltzer here. You got Jacob DeGrom, who is starting rehab in Syracuse tomorrow. We have to see how, how that goes. And if it goes well, you should see DeGrom, I think, because I'm assuming he's probably going to get up to 50, 60 pitches. If he's up to 50 60 pitches maybe he gets one more rehab start to get to like 80 70 80 and then come back so I'm thinking you probably got another realistically two maybe three weeks tops till the ground comes back the ground comes back and if I, my math is correct that should be on pace to what he's supposed to be doing because if i'm correct there was that 30 win 30day 30 window of him returning once his rehab started started up Uh, There's been no setbacks, which has been great. But if he comes back, and he becomes the ace that we know he can be, the stud that we know he can be, if he turns into the Jacob DeGrom, the two-time award-winning Cy Young winner, Jacob DeGrom, if he's that guy, he's going to opt out. He's going to opt out, and then we're going to be in a situation where you have DeGrom opting out, Bassett, I think, opting out. You have um, Taiwan Walker. No, oh, Taiwan Walker's opting out. That's right. Bassett's a free agent. Taiwan Walker, who's going to make $6 million next year, is going to opt out. Unless he has one of the worst second halves in history, which he did last year. So that's still a possibility. But for our sake, I hope he doesn't. So you have a ton of starting pitchers to begin with that you need to sign, and then you got Nemo, and then you got Edwin Diaz, and then you got all you got a lot of things going on right now, and, and we were talking about next year. It's a little too early for next year, but this is why we were we were talking earlier about like who are some trade targets to come in to bring in. Maybe you do find like a you know back when the Mets were trying to be smart along with you know for whatever they're doing with Marcus Stroman. They realized they weren't going to sign Zach Wheeler, so they brought in Marcus Stroman. They traded for a pitcher that would give them another couple years, another extension that they don't have to worry about now spending more money on a free agent pitcher. Can they find someone like that that's available during this trade deadline that has a couple years so that you don't have to sign them all? I mean, personally speaking, I'd like to keep this unit together. And I don't think it's absurd to talk, talk about a $300 million contract. And I talked about that with Evan the other day behind the scenes. I'm like, dude, I'd give DeGrom $50 million next year if that's what he wants. I'd, th- I'd go top-heavy with it. If he wants another quote-unquote big contract, I mean, Leah, I'm not going to give him 10 years. That's, that's irresponsible. But if I have to give Jacob DeGrom and front load two years close to $50 million. And then, you know, so that the, the back of the the contract looks a little bit more easier to swallow when you're giving a guy, you know, 30 or 20 to $30 million. And, you know, with the health concerns that he has, it's, it's realistic. You don't know if he could pitch 200 innings and in three or four years from now, you don't even know if he could pitch 20 innings. So, I'm not I'm not afraid of going deep. I'm not afraid of going I even said 350, which is a crazy number but think about it this way. we used to talk and criticize about the Yankees having a payroll of 200 million dollars and that was like 20 years ago that we could complained that look the Yankees are buying a, buying a World Series but that's been going on for 20 years you would think with inflation that it would change, that you'd have closer to that $300 million threshold. I know the the Dodgers did it one year where they were almost 280, right? Okay. And then they tr- they're trying to bring it down because that was, I guess, absurd. But why is that absurd? You talk about the NBA money, and you talk about other leagues, and I know it's different because, in the NBA, and but I, you have to break it down in this way. This is the way I'm going to break it down for you. In the NBA, yes, there's 12, 15 players on a t- on a roster, right? 15 players, really, because you have got bench players and who's injured and who's in the G League and whatever. Fine. So yeah, you could pay one guy Damian Lillard 60 million dollars, but you're still putting together a payroll of over $200 million for 15 players. So when you have 40 players on a 40-man roster, because you basically have a 40-man roster, you got to remember that too. It's 25 plus, plus the 15 other that's on a 40-man roster. You're still paying these guys. So it's not absurd to go, well, if in NBA you have rosters that are $250 million or whatever whatever the price tag is, I don't remember off the top of my head. Why, why is it absurd to say you're adding 15 more players Plus, actually, more than that. You're adding almost 20 more players to a roster. Yeah, the payroll should be over 350 or close to it. Now, I know they don't want to do that. But it doesn't shock me that that's the case. That's going to happen. So, yeah, if you want to have a Jacob deGrom. If you want to have a uh, Max Scherzer. If you want to bring back a Chris Bassett, Chris Bassett's not going to give you because clearly he has too many blowups to to allow him to be that elite money. But he's going to get paid next year if he keeps this up. If you're going to want to bring him back, though, which I would like to, because why not? If if we don't if the Mets don't win this year, I don't want this party to blow up. I want to bring him back. I want some of these guys to come back, and I want to add to it. See, that's the thing that the Mets never usually did. They never added to what they had. They just kind of like glued it back together, semi. Like, all right, we'll get rid to Daniel Murphy and we'll bring in uh, a Drupal Cabrera near Walker. And hopefully that'll work out. No, I want to add. So I don't want to lose. I want to add. So if that means bring it back, Walker, bring it back, Bassett. It's gonna. It's a lot. It's a tall order to ask, but that's something you have to do. That's gonna put your payroll closer to three fifty. That's a lot of money. But I think it's needed. And, and then you're gonna have Nimo as well, you know. And Edwin Diaz, we didn't talk about. Now Diaz, I, I don't think you can sit there and say that you know Edwin Diaz is gonna be paid like the top closer in baseball, even though he's pitching like it right now. He's pitching like an elite closer. I don't think he can get that because you take away the bad years with the bets over the past few years. I mean, he's somewhere in between there. He's not the best of all time, but he's also not this awful pitcher. So I think he'll get paid, but he won't get as much as we'd like. But anyway, that's so, so that's something that I just was thinking about in general of Tiki brought it up. I feel like I had to address it because it does make you think if Degrom opts out, there's a lot of people that you're gonna to have to pay, and I wanna bring I would like to try to bring them all back. So maybe during a deadline, maybe you try to be cute, maybe they try to be cute enough to add a piece that could help solidify a bullpen, but maybe, maybe even bring in a, a starting pitcher so that you don't have to worry about hell, if Walker finishes strong and Bassett finishes strong and the ground finishes strong maybe you don't have to worry about signing all three of them because your pitching staff staff is going to be depleted next year if it's just Doug Rom and Scherzer and Blank. So that's nothing too crazy right now to get into, but that is just something to think about and to ponder. All right. Uh, again, I hope I did a good job filling in for Evan Roberts, who will be back tomorrow with Carton Roberts. You can hear him uh, 2 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. you would also hear me uh, or maybe hear me, depending if I'm talking or not. But I'm I produce the Tiki and Tierney show 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Monday to Friday. Uh, I I speak once in a while. I, I have my Mets thoughts thrown in there whenever BT's trying to you know beat me over the head with how amazing the Yankees are and how terrible and how uh, mediocre this Mets team has been. Listen, we all know the deficiencies of this roster. It's not a it's not it's not like a a, a newsbreaker here. We all know the DH is a bad spot, and we all know the bullpen sucks, besides Edwin Diaz, and I guess Adam Alvito, and Drew Smith at times. But we all know the deficiencies, and they just have to do something about it. And it's frustrating to talk about it every single podcast, but that's the flaws right now. But the Mets were able to, again, keep the lead alive. They should be able to go into the All-Star break Ahead with the the lead in the division because there's no way that they are are splitting the series versus the Chicago Cubs they just can't do it so you win three out of four that should be uh, an easy you know lead going into the to the All Star break and then coming out again five with the Padre uh, five with the Padres and the the Yankees uh, as they return the following week um, also. On a side note too, I'll just start out there as well. I will be hosting this Sunday morning, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. on the fan. I'm going to be at the uh, UFC event this uh, Saturday at UBS Arena. So if you guys are there, check me out. I'll be there somewhere on the uh, on the site looking to watch some fights. Um, and you can always check out my my podcast, The Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman, um, talking all things MMA, which I should have Brian Ortega, who's fighting. Uh, on this card as well on there. So again, filling in for, I hope I did a good job for Evan Roberts. I appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys listening to the breakdown. I did not send out a tweet uh, for anything, uh, any type of questions from you guys, but hopefully you enjoyed it. And hopefully Evan will be back and make the next one, which should drop Sunday uh, after the Cubs series. And we'll maybe have a, a couple podcasts too. Maybe a emergency one after the home run derby. We'll see what goes on, but thank you again for listening to another episode of Rico Bronya.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.